an eerie sight, for my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the match, he did the monster match, the monster match, it was a graveyard smash, he did the match, it got on in a flash, he did the match, he did the monster match, from my lab. You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Don't screw up your intro. Don't you don't screw up my intro. Nope, no pressure. <laughs> All right, cue the Scooby Doo music. I was gonna use different music. <laughs> I'll do that in editing. <laughs> I don't care. Happy Halloween, everybody, and welcome to issue ninety-eight of the Comic Book Informer podcast. I know you're not listening to it on Halloween, but shut up and let me have my fun. Of course, this is Vince along with Roger. What's up, man? You didn't screw your intro. You just steamrolled right over me as I was trying to talk. <laughs> I knew it. I, I was like, I'm just going to ignore him. But for the record, I actually didn't think you were starting yet. That's why I was asking you a question, but that's fine. <laughs> didn't screw up. Save it for later. Yep. All right. So when I knew we were going to be recording on Halloween, I was like, hmm, what could we talk about? And I had an idea of something I've actually been wanting to talk about for a little while. So, you know, I told Roger what we're reading. And your response was, why are we reading Punisher for a Halloween episode? <laughs> I thought it was going to be the new one, the one that's from now. As I'm going, how did it, we could do zombies? We could do any number of things. Punisher? All right. All right. I didn't know. I assume after a while you saw the plan, though. <laughs> well, I did immediately after looking over some of the titles and then going, oh, okay, this is the old stuff. All right. I get it. Now. So for the record, we are covering the 2009 version of Punisher, which was written by our good buddy, Rick Remender. And uh, specifically, we're talking about issues 11 through 21. But before we get there, briefly mention all the stuff that happened before then, because it was some fun Punisher stuff. Uh, this happened during the Dark Reign era, which was after Secret Invasion, when Norman Osborn was basically, you know, in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that good stuff. And it really led to some interesting stories because you had all these heroes in new situations where, you know, you had the villains as the ones who had all the respect and authority. And then, of course, you have the Punisher who doesn't care and spends the first 10 issues trying to kill Norman Osborn in one way or another. And, of course, uh, he Norman Osborn calls up his buddy the Hood, and the Hood brings back a whole bunch of dead villains. And I, I was really entertained reading this because I read this, you know, three years ago when it first came out. And I was like, hmm, I'm now recognizing a lot of these villains because they've popped up later in Reminder's Venom run as, you know, backup characters. Uh, two of them were members of the, the, the Savage Six. I was like, hey, I recognize these guys <laughs> Like, even the guy with the tank, he was in, a, like, two pages of Venom. I was like, I recognize him. We're using assets. <laughs> hey, whatever works. Hey, he brought these characters back. He has full right to kill them off again. <laughs> <laughs> but you had some good fun here. But I, over the course of these ten issues, Frank just gets jacked up one way to another. Shot, stabbed, absolutely messed up. And it all culminated in the... 
uh, one shot of the list, which was near the end of the the secret or the uh, Dark Reign. They they released a series of one shots titled The List with you know Daredevil List Spider Man whatever, which is basically Norman Osborn finally hunting down all the heroes that are on his list of people that need to be taken out. So for the Punisher issue of the list, he sends in Dokken, and you know we've seen a lot of good Wolverine Punisher fights over the years. This one wasn't a good fight. <laughs> Frank really didn't have much left in the tank, and literally got dismembered by Dokken. It was shocking at the time. I was like, I didn't know about the whole Frankencastle thing coming up. I wasn't really keeping up with the comics news at the time. So I was like, they really just killed off the Punisher. Like, this is this is a really hard death to bring him back from. He's missing really- <laughs> his arms, his legs, his head, several important organs. I was like, they really killed off the Punisher. And yet, Reminder found a way. <laughs> well, that's exactly it when I was reading it, too. Like, because I read it from the, the beginning as well. And like you were saying, those first few issues there, he is put through the ringer. And to the point of, like... It's not believable at points. You, I don't care who you are. If you don't have superpowers, you're you're falling off a 20-story building. You're not going to survive the fall. But, of course, Punisher can. He's Frank. Um, but when you're seeing that that one issue with Dokken, who's literally dismembering him and removing his head, what's going through my mind is, hold on a second. I know I still need to read like 10, 20 issues. (laughs) Like how the hell is he coming back from this overall for the most part? Like I, I don't mind supernatural stories kind of things when they start involving various monsters and creatures and things like that. It's not my favorite. I know that for you, it's, it's one of your favorite dolls. Um, but again, I don't mind it if it's if it's well done and stuff like that. Like even when we were looking at the Frankenstein agent of shade stuff, at least at the beginning, had some really kind of fun stuff going on in it. And again, if handled properly, I can get behind it and I can enjoy it. But I also see the potential for fail a lot more readily in that kind of story than I do in a lot of other stuff. So when I started reading it and saw that that's where they were going towards, I was kind of like... Okay, <laughs> baby steps, Reminder, please, baby <laughs> steps here, because I don't know. But he pulled it off, and right from the get-go, it was like, okay, I can get behind this. I can, I can really enjoy this. And in fact, the worse it got for Frank, the more I was like, okay, just rip him again. Just let's see what worse <laughs> you can do to him. Let's really have some fun with this. And I mean... If you don't get the sense reading this that Reminder was having fun with this, then you're not reading it right. Yeah, to my knowledge, this was uh, really the first time I'd read anything by Reminder. And it might, it might have been like his first big work at Marvel even. So that's why even when I heard the other concepts like you know Uncanny X-Force, I was like, oh, I've never liked X-Force. Venom. Like there's never been a good Venom series. And like by the guy who wrote Frankencastle. I'll give it a shot because <laughs> he was able to take this and just do great things with it. And I'm almost, I have to say, I'm amazed that for the several decades Punisher's been around, nobody ever did the Frankenstein joke since his name is friggin' Frank. Come on. <laughs> but he's never died so horribly before. <laughs> so anyway, after he gets chopped up by Dokken, uh, he gets found down in the sewers by the little moloids who now after reading FF, I just love them every time they show up. Yes. <laughs> and Man-Thing and uh, Morbius, as well as the werewolf by night, the living mummy and the man 
awesome. <laughs> Better known as the Legion of Monsters, uh, a really old school concept that Reminder you know, resurrected for this specific storyline. Basically, monsters are being hunted down worldwide, and the Legion is doing their best to protect them, but what they really need is a soldier to lead them on the battlefield. And, well, they just happen to have one literally dropped into their laps, and they bring Frank back as a classic frankenstein's monster like not even messing around like he he looked like a you know steampunk frankenstein basically you know with cybernetic arms a big generator on his back he kind of looked like one of the guys from um island of dr ned in borderlands is what he looked like (laughs) and the art was just so fantastic for this like when you see those first shots of him and and Morbius and everybody else like the I just so absolutely love the art in this like you can you can feel the pain and confusion like that first scene of him even where it's through the mirror of Frank and you can see like that that shock in his face and then from then on it's just again I I, I love the I love the way that it was set up wherein he had to rely on them as well in order to essentially stay alive and, and keep taking those pills and whatnot. But he also had to rely on the, the technology that was in him and, and a body that was failing him because again, Dokken really did a number on him. So he's got a crap load. I, I like his knees. I would like his fake <laughs> knees there. Those would, And I'd take those in a heartbeat. Um, but he has to really rely on them to keep him together up until later on, of course. Yeah, you really made a good point there. Tony Moore, who did the bulk of the art on this uh, story arc, his art is really what sold this concept for a lot of people, myself included, because the way he knocked it out of the park on those first, I think, four or five issues that he did is really what cemented this as, okay, this is a great, great read. Because, yeah, the story was cool, but the art, especially when you talk about, like, Monster City and you have just all the monsters everywhere and these crazy character designs, it was absolutely astounding yeah and and even though it's not an ultra realistic style that we see with a lot of artists who try to do that um it's it takes it seriously at no point do you get the feeling that he's taking it lightly and making fun of it it's it's something wherein you can get behind it and appreciate what they're going through um because the art is actually Again, it feels like it's at least taking it seriously. So you can, if you're the per type of person, again, who can suspend disbelief for, for a while while you're reading this, you can really let yourself sink into it. And then, of course, with, with Reminder as well, with the characters, the, the characters are the same way too. The, the characters aren't being um, written in such a way as to make light of them or their plight kind of thing. They're, they're being sold as the, well, if you've ever watched the sanctuary TV show, that kind of thing where the, you know, the, the abnormals are, 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 are quote unquote people too. And they're not all evil and things like that. So you have these characters that are written as either spiritual or as intelligent that I love the freaking mummy dude. I can't remember his name. <laughs> I love the preacher. That's like a oh, lava. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, that, that ain't going to flow here, Frank. Okay, damn, I'm going to have to bleep myself. Um, like when he's getting all mad and stuff like that and, and one fell swoop, he carries him off. <laughs> so, no, there's, 
again, between the two of them together, that's what made it so that, and, and again, for me especially, because again, you, I think, would have been able to get through this a lot more easily and readily than I did. You, it was a tougher sell for me, and and it worked in spades. Mm -hmm. So we find out that the reason these monster hunters are pursuing all the various monsters, well, several reasons, but the primary one is that they are looking for an artifact known as the bloodstone, which Morbius of course just happens to be keeping around the lab as you do. But they're led by freaking steampunk suit of armor <laughs> known as hell's guard. And they actually tied this into yet another obscure old school. Uh, I guess you could call him hero at the time. Uh, Ulysses bloodstone. He was a monster hunter himself and they told hell's guards whole backstory. And I know this is one of your pet peeves. And we're always talking about these backstories and comics, but they used a different art style. How did you feel about it? Yeah. See that style there. I'm looking at it now. I found that it was especially jarring compared to the rest of the stuff. Mm -hmm. But of course, that's what they were going for. I got to tell you, honestly, if the entirety of the series had been done in this style, I would not have enjoyed it nearly as much. Mm -hmm. Regardless of how good the story is, I just would not have enjoyed it nearly as much. As a flashback, okay, I can live with it and accept that that's the, the mechanic that they chose to use. Although I still would have preferred the consistency of using the same artist for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the flashback pages were done by Dan Brereton. And in uh, contrast to a normal comic artist, he's actually a painter. All of his panels were painted. There's no pencils, there's no inks. This is all painting. And one thing I did like about it, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, a lot of the art style is very reminiscent of uh, Gene Colan's artwork. Uh, Gene Colan, best known for being the uh, writer and artist of the famous old horror comic that Marvel put out, Tomb of Dracula. And that's what I got. I got a lot of influence of that. And seeing that parallel again, I don't know if it was intentional, but it's definitely there if you look at the style. I have to assume mm -hmm. it was at least partially intentional. It gave me a certain feeling because I'm remembering – some of these horror comics. I mean, these are the comics that introduced Blade. And, you know, a lot of Marvel history is built out of these old horror comics. That's what Marvel started out as, is, you know, a lot of more uh, sci-fi and horror comics. And just Gene Colan's art style was so iconic to that era. It, it kind of put me in that mindset. And it worked even better as a flashback because of that. I think it worked as a... I don't want to say it... Again, for me, mm -hmm. I think it only worked as a flashback. Again, had the entire yeah, series yeah. been like this, I would not have enjoyed it nearly as much. Um, but as a flashback, yeah, it works. I just, I, and again, I, well, um, obviously you just mentioned it. I'm, I like consistency throughout, oh, even when it is a flashback. And I know that part of it is, it's a mechanic that they use, but also it takes some of the pressure away from the artists so that they don't have to do quite as much for an issue. And Especially when we're talking like a guy like Tony Moore who takes a while as it is. Yeah. But then I would have preferred to see something that was along the same styles, just in, you know, sepia tones mm -hmm. or in something a little different to set it apart so that it's clearly defined as a, a flashback, but still consistent. Mm -hmm. So Hellguard himself is basically designed to be a parallel to Frank as he's a guy from back in well, I don't know, the 1800s or whenever it was whose family was turned into werewolves and he had to basically kill his entire village and his family. So here we go. His family was taken away by monsters. So he dedicates his life to hunting down monsters. There, there, there's your Punisher story. 
But I mean, it, for the purposes of the of the story, it worked. It, it made Hell's Guard. I don't want to say relatable, but at least a little more interesting, less one-dimensional. And of course, I loved it when, you know, he gets into his big steampunk battle armor, ends up getting thrown into limbo for a couple decades, and comes back to fight giant monsters in Japan. <laughs> yeah. As we've discussed, I love me giant Japanese monsters. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 basically, again, you really are not digging too deep to get the, the point of this, <laughs> the the opposite of Frank, who is actually the same kind of thing, becoming the monster that they, they hunt. Um, so it's, you're really not reading too deeply in to see that, mm-hmm. that parallel. But at this point, if, if you're already in at this point and enjoying, hey, you're along for the bit, ride, <laughs> you're along for the ride. You're certainly not going to stop and, and criticize this villain. I know I didn't. Mm-hmm. So and the armor, dude, the yeah, armor, the was, armor was great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, Hell's Guard leads his uh, monster hunters into the Morlock tunnels, kills the poor little Moloid kid, which oh. s- snaps Frank, snaps Frank out of his malaise. And he just goes on a murderous rampage in one of his greatest ever, because now he has this super powerful body and it's just, he's carried around these giant guns. He throws the man thing around. I mean, it was just a great rampage. And I, the dialogue at some points was so cheesy, but so perfect. I mean, when they're saying, Oh yeah, he's in the Swiss Alps. And here's the exact quote. Alps is cold perfect temperature for the dish i'm going to serve him i was like (laughs) i loved and hated that line at the exact same time there were a few points where i was reading and i literally you know you're you're flipping back on really reminder wrote this might have been a little early in his career because (laughs) a couple of them yeah it, it fits because it's that insanely cheesy kind of thing but you're going like Wow, that's that's borderline remedy. Ta- <laughs> taken out of context, that would have been really bad. <laughs> yeah, there were a few of those moments, especially when you're reading a lot of the narrative throughout. Some of it is like, ooh, that's that's damn near cringeworthy. That, <laughs> but in the sense of what we're reading, once again, it's not that big a deal. Mm-hmm. But then that leads to one of the greatest panels in the history of the entire comics industry, where he's going to attack Hell's Guard. He's riding in on a dragon, dragon. <laughs> gunning down legions of samurai monster hunters with a mini gun. <laughs> I want that panel framed and put on my wall. You can add that one to the list. Yeah, really? <laughs> that, yes, I agree. Although that issue there, if I'm not mistaken, it was not Tony Moore. I don't think it was, no. No, Roland Boshi, Boshi, whatever. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I really, although he did a damn good job too. Yeah. So definitely not taken away from there. But yeah, that was bloody awesome. <laughs> so of course, Frank takes down the bad guy. And at this point in the story, Frank does what every Marvel hero does when he really wants to get serious. He goes to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> that's where all the fun is. yeah uh, he gets gets his revenge on lady gorgon a villain that he went up against some point previously in a story i didn't read and then finally gets his revenge on dokken and here's where we had Wait, that new, before you jump oh far, okay that, okay that one where he goes oh it was very good <laughs> god if again if people want to even if you don't intend on reading the entire series which at this point if you've no doubt guessed we're suggesting you do pick it up um but that one there where he goes off to Japan, 
in and of itself is such a fantastic issue. It was, I mean, it, it continues what is happening here, but as a little slice in and of itself, my God, that was just a fantastic story. Mm-hmm. And just compounded by the fact that, of course, he's still Frankencastle. It's not like he's gotten better. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just running around Japan doing, you know, what you do in Japan, killing ninjas. Yep. So he gets his revenge on Dokken, and this, of course, leads to the unfortunate crossover with Dark Wolverine, which we'll try not to mention Dark Wolverine that much because, God, I, we still hate Dokken. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun because you got to see Dokken get completely destroyed page after page for the better part of four issues. And it really reminds me, again, of a lot of those old Wolverine Punisher fights where the entire point of the, the storyline wasn't to, oh, let's do some good character development. Oh, let's tell a great. No, it was how many ways can Frank completely jack up Wolverine knowing he's going to be healed by the next page. And it's just one after another of absolute hilarity of just all the crash and cars into them, you know, dropping things on them, blowing things up. <laughs> it was the car in the sewer was funny. Yeah. Oh, he's already <laughs> passed the Buick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I liked about this too, and and I mean you were expecting it, but at the beginning when he's fighting Doc and it is very clear immediately that he is so outgunned it's it's unbelievable which is what you would expect Mm -hmm. far too many punisher stories when you read them like he is pulling crap off against people with powers or whatever and you're thinking i'm sorry you're still just a soldier with a gun and yeah i know you're a dangerous one and you got to back a plan for everything but in a real fight against someone like that i'm sorry you would get your head cut off and he does. And so when it's the revenge fight later, now that he's got all these other, you know, powers and whatnot, more strength and he himself can't necessarily be killed kind of thing. Now it's much more of a fair fight. In fact, he has a little bit of an edge even. And so you're more excited for the fight. And, and then he's got that ingenuity of his too, for all these planet case in point, hanging in a freaking Buick in the <laughs> sewers before the fight. So it was just a fantastic fight start to finish. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some cool stuff there with the, the stone and Dokken and it overriding his healing factor and a, a nice little homage to Akira where he just becomes a pile of flesh on the rooftop. And you know, yeah, it ends as you would expect it to. Wolverine steps in, won't let you kill my son, blah, blah, blah. Dawkins runs away because he's a pansy and we all hate him. Uh, get Frank, uh, for the last issue, he ends up on Monster Island, where he just lets, you know, get some relaxing, you know, amongst the other monsters. And the Bloodstone finally heals him, which leads to a, a fun last little bit where Punisher is back. I, I really loved that last little bit at the end with the, the street thugs. Yeah, yeah. Well, at that point, you're kind of you know what's going to happen. Mm. They've they've made it very clear he's going to be coming back because of, of the stone and him kind of thing. Um, I like how it was slowly turning him crazy because because he's not crazy <laughs> enough already. So it's just making him worse and in that paranoia. And he did a really good job with the paranoia too. That talking to himself mm-hmm. kind of thing and talking to his his late wife. So yeah, I kind of. I, I was digging that. Yeah, so overall, the the entire Remender run on Punisher was a lot of fun, but it also had some of those great character moments that, 
you don't see that often in a Punisher series, which you know, which is why the character hasn't really been all that successful over the years. I mean, I, I think this the Remender's run was like volume seven of Punisher because it's been canceled so many times. You know, a writer will come on, do some cool stuff, and then that writer leaves and people stop reading because it just turns into generic slaughtering of villains. And that can be fun, but not on a long-term, month-to-month basis. So whenever you get writers like uh, uh, Garth Enos, Remender, uh, Greg Rucka, who really dive in and do stuff with the character, it, he is a cool character that can carry a comic if the writer is really on board with doing cool new stuff with him. That's exactly what it is. I, more so than a lot of other characters, the writer makes such a huge difference in whether or not uh, Frank comes off as a farce or as someone that you can really be rooting for throughout the, the series. And here, I mean, you can't help but be cheering him on the entire way because the, the, the worse it's getting, the more you're cheering for him. They it get it. And it's all because of how great a job Reminder did with it. Mm-hmm. And then just a nice little follow up, uh, the issue of secret Avengers that came out last week, which of course is written by Reminder finds the uh, Hawkeye and captain Britain stepping into an alternate universe where the Avengers are all monsters. You have vampire Wolverine, werewolf, captain America. And of course, Frankencastle shows up. <laughs> so I, I just I just love that that little throwback and the great timing there. So thanks, Reminder. We love you. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> All right. So uh, any final thoughts before we move on? No, no. I think we've basically said enough praise for this. But yeah, again, people, if you haven't gotten this seriously, go seek it out. It it uh, it probably isn't too much in back issues. And there's uh, actually I a really s- nice uh, omnibus available. For the whole thing, like from one to from the one, last one to twenty one, including like the one shots and annuals, oh. and it even has another mini series that took place after Frankencastle. Do it, definitely do it, folks. You'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a thought, and I lost it, and this is going to be terrible in editing. Oh my god, I'm sorry. <laughs> Crap, it's gone. I, I. Oh well. Oh, you see, I'm medicated. I have the excuse. Do I have to carry every single episode? Clearly. Clearly you do. Jesus. Come on. God, this is going to kill it together. me. Pull I'm going to like record it later and send it to you. <laughs> Splice this in so I don't look stupid. Oh, how long have you known me? <laughs> All right. Well, moving on to what we're reading. I only have one thing to talk about this week, and that is, of course, Journey into Mystery, because it's been a favorite of mine ever since it's been on its current run and uh last week was kieran gillen's final issue 645 and my god this issue devastated me like like no comic i have ever read before this issue absolutely destroyed me on a personal level the the way the way he ended this i'm not going to say anything but now looking at his entire run on journey into mystery all 31 issues including crossovers and and other stuff Looking at the entire story from beginning to end, how it was crafted and how he knew what he was going to do at the end before he even started. And this isn't me making stuff up. He's actually said he knew how it was going to end. It's a fantastically crafted story. And I know you don't care because it's Thor related. And I know I've said this many, many times on previous episodes, but this is now my final opportunity to get the message out there. I am 100% serious when I now say this 31 issues is quite possibly one of my favorite comic runs of all time. This was 
fantastic but you from like beginning to end. Thor. But Thor you isn't like even in this. Loki, you like Loki too. Yes, I, who doesn't like, like Loki? He's awesome. I don't. Because yeah, he's a little Nancy Pants. That's kind of the point, though. <laughs> yeah. He's a pain in the butt character. I don't like him. He's a pain in the butt character that always gets ahead due to his own creativity and fun selfishness. Yeah, that's that. that that's eh. listen. I got you for that. I'm just saying, if you're regardless of the characters involved, the quality of writing on this series, the plotting, the pacing, the way the story was crafted is seriously one of my favorite comic stories of all time. And I can get behind that. I can certainly appreciate that. But again, you can you can craft to have a phenomenal writer make a. Uh, you know, a great story, a great run out of any number of characters. But if they're characters that in and of themselves, oh, you're I... really not that crazy about. Yeah. Me... I mean, they, they, they were lucky to get me with freaking Hawkeye. Okay. <laughs> they, best not to push your luck. <laughs> Let me put it this way. My girlfriend does not read comics, but of course she loves all the Marvel movies, just like many fans out there. And just like many fans, she loves Loki from the movies. So when I was telling her about the story, she stopped me halfway through and went, just let me read the comics. Like, this is the first comic story, despite the many I've run past her, that she is actually interested in reading. Yeah, but that's, again, not a sale because she likes Loki. I don't, well, if you know I don't like Loki at all. that likes Loki. You're not going to stop until I read this, are you? You're just not, you're like a dog with a bone I'm right now. I'm trying to speak to our fans, our listeners, and you're just shooting me down. And I, I, I'm trying to get the point across to them that despite what the angry old Canadian says, there's something of worth here. I didn't say it wasn't good. I just said, I don't want to read it. That's There's a big difference and, there. And now that it's over, this is my last chance to talk about it. And it's the last you will have to hear about it. Oh, please. They're going to do something else with Thor and Loki for sure. And then well, of course, like, Gillen oh, is going to be right. Fangirl over it's it. The thing. The ending of this now paints the entirety of Gillen's Young Avengers in a completely different light. Oh, and see that little bit there in the Marvel, uh, the point one for that Marvel now point one. Oh, dude. Uh, like, like I had any less interest if, as if it was possible to be less interested in Loki. That That did it for me. I hate you. I know you do. Nothing has changed since yesterday, though. <laughs> me, me, me talking smack about Loki ain't going to change that. All right. Well, what the hell have you been reading? Well, I mean, we're on the subject of Punisher. So I actually uh, picked up the uh, Punisher Warzone, mm-hmm. which we'd heard about during Comic-Con, where it's him going up against the Avengers kind of thing. Did you get a chance to read it yet? I did. Okay. What did you think? I thought the whole story structure was a bit forced of, okay, now we need to go after Punisher. But of course, and it, it, oh, I hated the way Tony Stark was written in this. Like, yeah, oh, he's kind of like the, yeah. the, 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 the playboy, but he was so completely, I can't even put it into words. I, I hated the way Stark was written and, and a lot of the uh, other Avengers, how, you know, they really needed to be talked into, you know, Punisher has finally gone too far in that. But the parts with Spidey and Wolverine, I did really enjoy. Well, to me, it's it's all Spider-Man. And I think that he should have been even more in this because it is something where, again, when when he's saying he's had it, that's it, mm-hmm. especially because he used one of his web shooters kind of thing. And that was the <laughs> the straw that broke the camel's back. And so I really like that he's the one that's pushing them. And, and especially when he closes the door on them as they're walking away from him and it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. And, um, and so I, 
I really like that. I like the the fight, especially between him mm-hmm. and Punisher too. I like the cheating and <laughs> that little thing to <laughs> use the bomb. Um, but no, I agree that Stark was written terribly in this, as were most of the other Avengers are all just a bunch of aloof, you know, yeah. heroes that could care less about something like this that is more quote unquote common. So I thought that was terrible, but the premise that they're going with and the strength of what was happening so far, especially with Spider-Man, I I can get behind this. Mm -hmm. I actually, I didn't mind it. And of course the best part is yet to come of Frank actually fighting the Avengers. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So we're looking at getting some pretty interesting stories out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you read the a babies versus X babies? (laughs) Why couldn't all 12 issues of AVX been that good? <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> the Avengers of some... I love when, when Captain America baby is looking through his little binoculars <laughs> and Scott lives across the street from him and he's got his Bucky bear and he's waving at him. <laughs> See, this was freaking awesome. This was, oh, I loved it. And this is one of those comics that you have to go back and look at again because there's so much going on in the background of all, you know, all the all the little fights going on, all the hilarious ways they're being portrayed. I mean, you had Thor riding Beta Ray into Bill into battle as if he were an actual horse. That was awesome. <laughs> there was all kinds of little stuff like that. And then the little references to stuff that are not, don't even have to do with, uh, with AVX, but with the characters from before, mm-hmm. you know, like the Hulk fighting Wolverine mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Storm and Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Magneto taking off Iron Man's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I thought that was hysterical. And it, and especially in light of what is still going on, case in point, AVX consequences number three, where we see that... Uh, Scott can still defend himself, doesn't matter what they do, mm-hmm. so you don't have to worry too much about him being in solitaire. But again, there, there's there's way too much of Scott being painted as someone that we they want us to root for him still. They're making him out to be a good guy, that no, he's not going to be Cyclops broken out. Right. <sighs> We've been through this. <laughs> We've been through this. He was not. So... So yeah, so I'm I'm still not digging that. Um, something that I did enjoy, FF number 23. Yes. That was freaking we, awesome. We'll be coming back to that in detail. <laughs> then we're not going to talk about it here. But, oh man. Jeez, oh, <laughs> I, I, I has a sad for him not writing this anymore. Um, okay, so we'll skip over it quickly then because we are going to come back to it. Uh, I did read the Marvel Zombies that you told me mm-hmm. to, to read. That was awesome. Yes, it was. <laughs> That was awesome. I didn't even know it was her. No, I won't the, way, spoil the, the way it. they revealed the the actual characters involved was very well done. Dudes, read it if you haven't read it. Read it, and I'll close off then with one of the new ones as well. Uh, Wolverine Max number one. I actually Did didn't. No, it? I didn't check that one out. I, I'm, I, I'm not a big fan of the Max titles to begin with, so I did not like this at all, um, at all, and then. Some of the art, I'm not going to lie to you, look like it was drawn by Sergio Aragonis. Okay. <laughs> and not in a good way. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sorry to the artist who did this, but whew, it really 
look like Aragonis. Um, the story was cliched pile of crap on a stick. I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. I know that's rude for the writer, but man, I really had no use for this, and it's stuff that we've seen over and over again. No, this was, I did not like this one bit. Hmm. All right. So then, oh, but oh. actually, just to really quickly say then, I also read, because you had said, check out Alpha and Omega, the little miniseries with Wolverine yes, and yes. with uh, Quentin. Uh, Quentin, what's his name? Quentin Quire. Quire, that's what it is, yeah. Um, so that's a five-parter. That was good. Yeah. That was very good. I enjoyed it. That was That was a lot of fun to read, especially because I've got no use for that character. He's just an annoying little brat. And <laughs> throughout this, he's still an annoying little brat. And he gets let off way too easily. The ending, I thought, was disappointing. But the ride for this was a blast. Really well done. I loved the artwork, too. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. So then for today's new releases from Marvel, we have A plus X number one. Marvel, I hate you. For, for your, your entire titling scheme with this AVX thing is just killing me. I, I hate having to actually say these things on a regular basis sometimes. Uh, we also have Avenging Spider-Man Annual number one, AVX Consequences number four, Captain Marvel number six. We have the final issues of Mighty Thor and New Mutants with 22 and 50. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man 16.1, which I actually think is the first point one we've seen in the Ultimate comics. I could be mistaken, though. Ultimate X-Men number 18, Wolverine and the X-Men number 19, and also the final issue of X-Men Legacy with number 275. Who's going to be in that Avenging Spider-Man annual? Uh, the Thing, I believe. Oh, okay, cool. It's not Zeb writing it, though. It's some other writer, but I'll give it a shot. All right, from DC, we've got Ghosts Number 1, which is actually a horror anthology, something very different from the DC guys that I'm actually interested in seeing what they do with that. And Swamp Thing Annual Number 1. There's also some 13s or something coming out. I was going to say that's it. <laughs> Listen, do you really want me to you talk have, about some of these friggin' comics? You've given up, haven't you? <laughs> Listen, I, I could list all the comics, but then people might think that is an endorsement, and I don't, I don't want them to do that. All righty. And ra- <laughs> a little too much of yourself is what it boils down to. <laughs> and for the other guys this week, from IDW, we have Godzilla number six, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 15, and Transformers More Than Meets the Eye number 10. And from Image, we have Fatal number nine and Happy number two. So that's going to wrap us up here on our very special Halloween episode of Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So until next week, thanks for listening. 